0: Oh, hello, hello, hello. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World. I'm your host, Kane Sims, and uh Apologies for the, for the slow start there. I was literally trying to get this link into, into LinkedIn where it belongs. Uh, but welcome. Welcome to VUX World. We are the show that uh, is centered on voice and conversational AI, NLP technologies. Uh, we find the brightest minds in the industry, the brightest companies doing the most innovative stuff, solving the hardest problems, and we bring them to you to share their insights, their perspectives, and help guide your thought process on how to approach your customer experience strategies, how to approach your conversational automation strategies, Uh, And today we are joined by Ronald Ashery of Open Dialogue, doing some immense stuff in the field of conversation design. We're going to be talking about conversation design, the future of conversation design, Open Dialogue, uh, and the work that the team are doing, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Before we get to that, shout out to Deepgram, who are the presenting sponsors of VUX World. Uh, Deepgram are literally a leading uh, speech-to-text provider transcription service. Uh, So if, if you're looking at, you know, any, any use case that requires speech-to-text, to be quite honest, probably voice bots, given that you're listening to VUX World. Uh, if, you're, if you're in the market for anything like that, even if you've already got a voice bot or you've got a voice assistant, you've got voice capabilities, you'll probably be getting better performance if you at least have a look at DeepGram. Companies all over the world are using their speech recognition services for a whole range of different use cases. It is lightning fast in terms of its response times and it is fairly competitively priced. In fact, it's, you, can, you can use it at scale for a fraction of the cost of other providers. And you can also train it, which if any of you have used any other speech recognition models, or at least most other speech recognition models or providers, you know that what you get or what you're given is what you get. And if you've got a very specific use case or you've got a very uh, niche kind of brand, you can retrain Deepgram to really hone in on your your specific terminology and your jargon. Uh, It's absolutely fantastic. If you are interested, head to deepgram.com forward slash VUX world. And I would even bet that if you are uh, interested in switching to DeepGram or trying DeepGram, they will even do you a comparison on their service versus some of the other leading providers. And even their general models perform absolutely phenomenal. They can get over 90 odd percent accuracy uh, with their models. So definitely check out DeepGram uh, if you are even remote interested in speech recognition or if you have a need for that thank you deep for sponsoring VOx world and without further ado i will welcome today's guest ronald ashley the founder of open dialogue i mentioned the open dialogue are doing some very interesting stuff mind-bending stuff depending on how kind of wedded you are to your preconceived notions of conversation design uh, which we will which we will find out a lot more about so ron welcome to videox world my friend
1: hi hi thanks for having me it's great to be here
0: it's it's absolute pleasure absolute pleasure um i said you know i think what was interesting we spoke a while back and you give us a, an insight into the product uh, and into the way that you are uh, approaching conversation design and the toolkits, mm-hmm. uh, the, the tool that you have and all that kind of stuff. And at the time I was in the process of having conversations with Vlooper, with Hiro, uh, a whole bunch of companies who were doing some really innovative stuff in the, in the conversational AI sort of space. And it was also right at the time that I was about to give a talk at, um, um at voice talks uh which yep. for those that don't know is a uh, an online event that google sponsor and uh you know they they cover a whole range of uh of content hold on a second i think we've got a bit of an issue over here on uh might be might be youtube actually yeah, it really does matter in that uh, the way that it works. There's still there's still twenty odd people waiting on. Oh, here we go. It's going down. Okay, I think people are getting the gist. Right. <laughs> so while while people are moving on, good job, good job. We did have this delay because at least people can actually join and uh, and get cracking and, and join us. Okay, Mark, I'll Mark. Okay, right. We're back on LinkedIn now. This is fine. Uh, cool. Right. Let's start that again, shall we, Ron? <laughs> Don't worry. We've got we've, we've got people tuning in now, which is good. Okay. So. The history behind this conversation, which uh, is important to get to because it really sets the context, is when we were, when we first spoke and you were, you were showing me open dialogue, you were talking about the philosophy and, and the approach that you've taken to the tool and the approach to conversation design in general. It was at a time when I was also having conversations with other provide, other technology providers like Vlooper and Hiro and, and, and a bunch of others. And uh, essentially, the these companies, the way that they've created their technologies is that they don't rely on intents. And so the whole concept of conversation design is an entirely different concept when you're working with technology that handles a lot of the design side of things itself. Um, and I was also queuing up a talk for uh, voice talks. Again, I mentioned that... Um, the, the voice talks is sponsored by google they do these talks on conversational ai and all in voice ai and stuff like that and uh, i did a talk for them on the future of conversation design incorporating a bunch of this um kind of like learning that i'd been going on over the weeks uh, around new approaches to technology new approaches to design and we spoke and you enlightened me to the open dialogue uh, uh methodology and, and tooling and uh I then posted clips of this video online and on LinkedIn. And the one clip in particular that seemed to do the rounds and got a good discussion going on was a clip that I shared, which was all around um, flaws, essentially, and the concept yeah. of flaws. And I think I was saying, like, why flaws are bad or something like that. And the essence of that was really the essence of the whole talk. If you see the context of the entire talk, the, the essence of it is technology is moving and improving And therefore, what we know as conversation design today is going to change because of a number of reasons. One, the technology is going to play a bigger role because it's going to get smarter. And two different approaches to conversation design are going to change the way that we think about conversation design. And therefore, we, what we do today might be different in future. And I referenced open dialogue. And so that's the context behind the conversation. Uh, and Ron, you can share a hell of a lot more than I can about the methodologies and the approach and where you think the future of conversation design is going, which we'll get into in this conversation. But after all of that, let's start... With some intros, Ron, do you want to give us a, because you've got an extensive experience in this field, do you want to give us a bit of an overview of, of your background and yourself, and, and then we'll get to open dialogue?
1: Sure. Um, right, so I, I you, what are the important uh, things? Uh, so my, my, my academic background is uh, computer science. I did computer systems engineering at Warwick University and the last year of um, my my course at work i did everything possible to do as much ai related stuff as uh, as i could that it it triggered some sort of alarm and i got called in to say this might not be a proper computer systems engineering uh, course uh, so there's there's something there to to discuss because i went and did cognitive psychology at the psychology department and so on and it, it partly speaks to uh ai at the time wasn't this uh, very popular thing that everyone did but i was completely enamored by by the subject um i actually had a look in preparation for for this i had a look at what was my final year project there and it was um a home automation system uh, is essentially an agent-based system where you have home services popping up and you have a central assistant that uh, discovers the services and tells you, oh, you have a new fridge. You can open its door or close its door. And if you leave the door open, um, after a while, I'm going to close it for you. Uh, so it was kind of entertaining to see that. I was I was essentially just a button-driven Virtual Alexa style thing uh, <laughs> happening back then. On, on, on the back of that, I, I, I went on to do a, a PhD at uh, Southampton University on uh, agent based systems. That was um, sponsored by uh, British Telecom. Um, and I spent some time in Ipswich at uh, their research labs there. And uh, spent a few more years in academia being a research fellow and so on. And then I went on to essentially do knowledge management, semantic web work, working on large um, content management systems of uh, uh, various colors and and, and so on. In 2017, together with... um, team Decent that was the, um, uh, of, of Decent Agency. We, we decided that it would be really interesting to do something around conversational AI. So I was really excited about the space. And actually, the first thing we did was um, Slack bots. Uh, and the idea was to build a bunch of bots that uh, were going to help people work better but we did this within the context of a digital agency. So we're trying to build a product within a digital agency. And uh, inevitably uh, we were pushed into client projects and we started building bots for clients rather than uh, finishing our own product. And that was the foundation of GreenShoot Labs. Uh, So we, we started trying to do bots as a product Uh, We ended up building bots for other people and trying all the different technologies, uh, IBM Watson, Dialogflow, uh, a bunch of different things that were around, being called in to fix bots that have gone um, wrong in various ways. And that was the the start of, right, we might need something different here to be able to build these bots because what's available doesn't really work. Uh, That was the the kernel of Open Dialog and we started putting it together to help us deliver uh, bots for uh, clients within a professional services context. In the meantime, Greenshoot Labs got uh, acquired by a company called uh, TPX Impact. Uh, It used to be called Panoply and it uh, very recently rebranded. And at the start of this year, uh, with the help of uh, TPX Impact, uh, we pivoted and said, right, there's something really interesting in how we're doing things with Open Dialog. Let's turn this whole thing into a, a product. Um, and uh, was it two months ago or, yeah, seven weeks ago and so on, we launched our SaaS um, version of Open Dialog where you can start building bots the Open Dialog way.
0: Interesting. Okay, so maybe is the place to start then, and obviously we'll get into open dialogue and what it is and what it does. But perhaps a nice place to start will be, as you're going through this journey, uh, you're working with clients, you're building bots. What is it specifically that you 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 mentioned or alluded to there that you know that there's something either the tooling was lacking or, or something was missing. What is it? That, what What were the challenges basically that you were facing? Because I imagine there's probably a lot of people tuning in now who using those tools might be facing the same sort of challenges. So, what What was it specifically? The limitations that you were finding, or the challenges that you were facing, based on the toolkits that you were
1: using at the time. So, yeah, I I had issues at two different levels. Uh, one is probably more of a personal thing. I, I'm a bit of a. a obsessively trying to bring clarity in my thinking and um, have uh, models that nicely explain the world and uh, i was just not finding that you would uh, so uh, i i approached the field saying this is really interesting i've been working on knowledge management large-scale content uh, management systems i have an ai background I want to build conversational bots. So what's, what, what is this thing? What is a, a bot? Um, and I never found a real explanation. It was kind of an immediate dive into, okay, start doing some dialogue. And there was no layers before that to say, well, how, how do we contextualize all of this? How do we bring some structure into it? And really, it, it wasn't even start doing some dialogue. It was, what are your intents? What are your, the things that you're training for? Um, and then we're going to give you some responses on the back of that. And if you want to weave all this into a conversation, which is an exchange back and forth across uh, uh, multiple stages and so on, well, good luck. Uh, you know, try, try and figure it out. Um, and, and to be fair, since then, some of the tools have evolved in some ways, uh, but th- those two things were to me the most um, the, the hardest to deal with. There wasn't a, a way, an explanation of what is it that we're trying to do from an engineering perspective almost. What is it that we're trying to, to build here? What are the underlying concepts? How can we uh, reuse them? How can we start seeing patterns in terms of how we reuse things? Um, and they didn't actually do conversations. They did, uh, the way I would describe it is, if you want to do question and answer systems, great. Um, if you want to do basic, uh, give me two, three pieces of information, and then I, I might give you something as a result of that, that's where things were. Anything else, build it yourself, right? Figure it out and uh, use what's there and weave it in.
0: hmm yeah, interesting. So, so, and it's, it's right, there's a lot, of, as I mentioned in, in that um, in that kind of video, there's there's a lot of manual effort that goes into, um, hold on a can you please clarify your two points about conversational design? Sorry, Heidi, do you mind um, sticking that down again? Um, rephrasing that a little bit, which, clarifying the two points. Yeah, Heidi, if you would mind... Uh, elaborate on that a little bit i'll put that question to ron in a minute um you're right there's there's a lot of manual work that kind of goes into it and you're right that also it's very tempting to to be like what your intents and now let's just mash something together what is it that you were looking for in terms of those kind of structures and mental models and ways of thinking about conversations like because are you referring to something like a conceptual thing like grice's maxims for argument's sake or or something different
1: It was was actually a bit more low level. I was thinking, what are the so I'm trying to build this application. Um, What are the component parts of this application, uh, and how do they interact? Right, and there wasn't a lot out there in terms of how you're going to to deal with this. And and actually, the, the application that I'm trying to build. Sits in a in a broader system where it's trying to interact with a user in unpredictable ways. Uh, so, what is uh, conceptually the the thing that we're trying to describe here? How do we describe it, and how do we compare different ways of of doing this? Um, and then, how how do we practically build multi-turn um as natural as possible conversations when our building blocks seem to be just um intense uh for for the most, right? Thinking of uh uh the the the, the basic tools out there.
0: hmm hmm And okay, so so I, I imagine then that, that a lot of the confusion that you get into is that when you try and build something that's complex with raw tools like an NLU engine for argument's sake, you've got a hell of a lot of manual work to be done around gathering and storing context and, and understanding and checking context at every point in the conversation to even understand what was said last and where you are and all this kind of stuff and you know manage the state of the conversation and, and all that kind of stuff. Are, are, you, are you trying to get to or were you trying to get to a, a better way of visualizing that and understanding that as opposed to it just being a bunch of code kind of (laughs) sitting, sitting there. Is that kind of what you're trying to get to?
1: Yes. So there there is a, um, I want to be able to design this, think about it from a a relatively abstract perspective, right. And be able to, to have a a conversation with uh, the rest of the team about what is it that we're trying to do and then I want to be able to practically go ahead and and implement that thing and evolve it over time and the essentially what what is is out there is is either um or what was out there right to be to be a bit fairer uh is either relatively rigid uh flow builders which there's there's nothing wrong per se with flows it's just that um they they can easily get to a level of complexity beyond which you just can't handle it, right? And and they are very um, they're, they're very inflexible in that you can build a certain flow, but once you want to insert something different into it, a whole cascading series of issues uh, takes place, and and you you you're almost forced to give up. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you have uh, this very rich host of lower level. Uh, NLU tools that can do lots of interesting things, um, but there's a huge amount of effort if you want them to do multi-turn natural uh, exchanges. So our question was, can we more effectively use these things and use them within a context of a consistent model that works both from a design perspective, works from an engineering perspective, and gives us effective results, right? So that that was the limitation that we were facing. And the other thing is, because there is this lack of a real model and and method associated to that model, you find that you'd go into a client and uh, they would be using the tool and you'd find all sorts of different ways in which this tool was being used, right? Um, Because they were trying to create within the context of what is essentially a pretty flat approach of intents and training phrases, all the things that were missing that intuitively they could see that, oh yes, I'm going to need to be able to uh, divide all this problem into smaller pieces in some way.
0: Hmm. Interesting. So, so what is then the solution? Let's give us a, a an overarching high level for the beginning view of how open dialogue uh, approaches things either differently or how you are trying how you are solving some of these issues or limitations
1: so the the, the yeah the and before we even go specifically into open dialogue there was taking a step back and saying what is the problem that we're trying to solve, right? What is this thing that we're trying to build? What does it mean to create a conversational application? Um, And you realize that there's a number of different components to that and and you have to start bringing them together into a coherent whole. So we we actually started looking around for what would provide that coherent whole for, for us. Um, and the, the the thing that I naturally reached into is is, is my background, which is multi-agent systems. right? So uh, to 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 those that are maybe not familiar with what multi-agent systems are, they are a a subfield of of artificial intelligence uh, that uh, studies how can you build systems where you have multiple, interacting entities, so multiple agents, and each agent can have varying degrees of uh, autonomy and uh, different capabilities, and uh, they they are ideally interacting in a, in a pre open system, uh, and you're trying to get them to communicate, cooperate, coordinate to solve a specific problem. So to me, it felt that describes conversational applications really well. Uh, It is a multi-agent system where you have at least two agents. One is the the human being, the other one is uh, your your bot, Um, and they're trying to communicate and coordinate and cooperate to solve a problem. So we said, okay, well, if there, is there something within the field of multi-agent systems that can help us describe conversational applications? And that, that was the first step that then led into uh, discovering the, the model that now we use for Open Dialog.
0: Okay. And when you say helping us describe conversational applications, are you therefore referring to a way of, of documenting and visualizing? Is that what you're getting at? Because we can describe conversations and conversational AI between us. I mean, you alluded to at the beginning some some kind of system that is able to take an input, understand what to do with it, give you an output, put, and potentially uh, persist that over time to be able to achieve a result. So are you talking about a way of describing it, because you keep mentioning teams and, and, and communication and stuff like that. I So in terms of a better way of describing conversational systems, is that what you're getting at, is a way of visualizing what this thing is intended to do so that more than one person... Because that's a problem with flaws. Whoever builds it has got all the knowledge and everyone else looks at it and thinks, what the hell is this? So is that what you're getting at? Is you're getting a, a way of of visualizing in a, in a language that everybody understands what a system is intended to do and how it works?
1: It's That's part of it. I actually, um, our ambition is is a bit broader in that we want to draw as straight a line as possible from the description of the system, what what is it and what are its component parts, down to the implementation and the running of the system. So up here at the design level, you are talking about what are the component parts of this system? What does this conversational application look like and what can it do? And that gives you a straight line to, okay, now I can actually run this system. So it's not just a upfront, I'm going to design it and share it with someone else. And, oh, they can say, okay, so we should build something that does this. We wanted to draw a straight line from we are designing it. As we are designing it, we are building it as well, right? And and that's where, uh, from from an open dialogue perspective, you have this... uh, components of um, the the what we call the conversation description language, which is the, the different ways that um, you can interact within a conversational application uh, and that goes directly into the open dialogue conversation engine that literally runs your design and the okay. two work together
0: right so that 's a good place to bring in these uh, questions from uh Fred, we're getting to the point, Fred. We are getting there. Uh, it's useful, I think, to go through this journey to understand where this has come from. But maybe let's let's when we get into the language that's used and, and what it all means and, and all that kind of stuff. Let's start with Fred's beginning, which is in a nutshell, how do you describe what open dialogue does?
1: So open dialogue is um is four things. It starts with what we call a conversational model, right? What are the component parts of a conversational application and the relationships between them? Attached to that model is a method. How do we start to describe conversations? And the way I like to think of it, it's it's a context first way of describing conversations in that the the conversational context is uh, is a primary building block here. It's not something that we try to weave in later. So you have your model, you have a method of describing a variety of different conversational applications using the elements of that model. Those are the first two. Then you have uh, what we call a proactive and opinionated conversation engine. So that's the thing that is going to run your description, right? And it's proactive and opinionated in, uh, in two ways. Uh, it's proactive in that it is an active participant in the running of the conversation, right? It, it, uh, um, it understands the building blocks um, and it will try and do helpful things. So uh, a very simple example is, it understands when something has failed and it will try in a cascading way to, to resolve that failure. So if uh, your um, interpretation system, whatever NLU system you're using, hasn't, able, uh, hasn't managed to resolve it to something, the engine will try and recover in some way. And it's opinionated in that it has specific ways of doing things. Right? And then you kind of have to work with it. If you try and work against it, it's it's not going to be very efficient. So you have a model. You have a process to uh, compose and recompose the components of that model into a conversational application. You have an engine that can run all of that. And then the fourth component uh, is a graphical uh, user interface that lets you do all this without having to write any code, right? So for, for a long time, we would describe our model using something called YAML. It's just text files with uh, uh, kind of descriptions of our conversation description language. Now you have a nice uh, graphical user interface that allows you to, uh, to do all of that without uh, uh, writing uh, essentially uh, our code.
0: Okay, interesting. So if I was to uh relay that back and make sure that I understand it. It is what what people will see is essentially an interface, a tool that allows you to design conversations. Uh, yeah. and, and and not just design conversations but actually develop, build, launch, maintain conversational applications essentially. Exactly. But behind that is it's more than a tool in, in that behind that there's an engine behind the scenes. That is uh, managing and structuring the conversation. Yeah, uh, is that is that right?
1: That's exactly right.
0: And then the the two bits that led to that one, the third thing was the the approach. That gui- it essentially guides you down a certain methodology and way of approaching yes. conversations. And the very first thing was
1: the the. the- kind of top-level abstract model of how uh, what are the different things and what are the different components here. Right? Okay, that so, makes sense. So to, to give you, um, because this, this will tie together, right? So yeah. the first, we said we, we dove into multi-agent systems and um, started looking at what could inform what, uh, what we want to do, which is build conversational applications, right? the The idea that we took out of multi-agent systems is something called um, electronic institutions, uh, which is a pretty cool term that uh, you can easily kind of uh, it, it can mean anything and, and everything.
0: Um, <laughs> what, what does it mean for you? <laughs> but but
1: but what it what it actually means and and what I really liked about it is um, so. Electronic institutions is an idea that was formed in an attempt to uh, create a modeling framework for what um, uh, they called communicating open systems. So um, multi-agent systems that are are pretty open and it's inspired by sociology, right? So uh, from a sociological perspective, when we ask the question, well, how do we communicate and coordinate and cooperate in the real world, right? How do we know, know what to do next? Uh, there is this concept of institutions, right? So we, when we walk into a certain space, it could be a courthouse, it could be a restaurant, what we're doing right here, right? We, it's it's, it's over sort of an interview and so on. This is uh, an institution and there's a certain way in which it it works. So when we enter this space, we assume a certain role um, and we have an anticipation of what uh, the the other participant in this institution is going to say and so on. And, And the best example for me is if you think of a restaurant as an institution with its structure, and you imagine yourself in a country where you don't speak the language and the, the people working at the restaurant don't speak your language, you can still see yourself figuring out how to get to a table, uh, how to order something off a menu. It might, You might not be quite sure what's going to come, but you can pick something. Uh, obviously eat and and pay and so on. And the only reason we, we achieve that as human beings is because we have this shared concept of a restaurant and how it's supposed to work. So electronic institutions take that idea and say, okay, if we wanted to create computational equivalents of social institutions, how would we do that? So electronic institutions mimic what we do in society and translate it to a computational system. And we took that and said, right, now we're going to take electronic institutions that were built or thought for multi-agent systems and bring them into conversational applications, right? So that's our top level model. And and it talks about uh, having a certain context and that's uh, for us, the top level is scenario. And then within that context, a number of different things uh, evolve and the conversational exchanges take place. But let me stop there so that Mm. you can.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That that makes sense. So essentially, you are applying uh, a framework around, so to use that kind of social institutions model, when you go into a restaurant and everybody who is in the restaurant knows what's happening basically you could probably you can go to a restaurant order food pay and leave without really speaking the same language because everybody knows the kind of conversations that happen when you're in a restaurant environment uh, are you applying that sort of logic into the tool from a perspective of I am an insurance company and when i create a conversation with a customer obviously that conversation is going to be about insurance it's not going to be about the weather because that's not what we're in the room for is that is that correct
1: that's exactly it that's the 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 context another way to think of it is this is what when i say context first this is what it is right so we are in a specific scenario it could be an insurance scenario it could be um i, I don't know a a restaurant booking scenario a hospitality scenario and so on There is a shared understanding between the application and the human being of what we're trying to do here. In addition, as we walk through the scenario, there are specific stages of it, right? So uh, in the the most standard sense, uh, you will have a first stage where you're sort of welcoming the user and and saying what is uh, possible within uh, this, this context. Then you will, if it's insurance and and maybe you're trying to to buy a new insurance, you might go into a stage where you're explaining uh, what the options are, you're collecting some information. Then you go into a stage where you you have an initial package and now you're defining it a bit better. All this context along the way is extremely helpful from a conversation design perspective. And in order to make our conversation Conversational applications much more robust. So if we design the context and then we dive deeper in to design the conversations within the context, we find that the conversations that we design are much more robust because they are uh, feeding off the fact, right, I'm not welcoming the user here. There's no point in kind of going back to a welcome type of message. Or if the user says something, there's no point in me interpreting it as X or Y. Um, the, the example I, I, I use quite a bit is um, think of the user saying, Can you help me? Right? So if, if I just the, the minute I walked into a store, I say, can you help me? The person working in the store will interpret that as, okay, you're probably trying to figure out what are the options here. And so I will ask you something like, well, what are you looking for? And so on. If I go uh, further down that journey through the store and I walk up to, to uh, the, the, the store assistant holding a pair of shoes and I say, can you help me? Well, they know that the context now is okay you probably want to change the shoes or you want to see if there's a different color and so on from a natural language understanding perspective what was uttered what the user said was can you help me it's only the context that allows us to be much more specific in terms of how we're going to interpret it right so that's where we say okay capture the context and then develop your conversations within the context.
0: Right. That makes sense. I'm going to get to your uh, question, Andrew and Michael, in a, just a minute. But I think, I think we'll continue down this third because it's, it's really interesting this. So, so what you're describing there, I think, is, is um, going back to that concept of how do we describe conversations. Um, and what you have just described there reminds me a little bit more like, um, like you're writing a screenplay. Of some description or you're writing a film or, or something like that and that's why I think playwrights end up making pretty decent conversation designers not necessarily because they yeah. can craft dialogue but because they understand the concept of a scene with a beginning a middle and an end so it seems mm-hmm. as though what you're describing is, is the philosophy of having that kind of approach which is first of all this conversation at the very beginning might be quite broad but as soon as we understand what the user is trying to accomplish we then go through a sequence which is uh, gathering context that we require in order to fulfill an end result and at each stage of that journey as we pass through it the system and the model and the engine presumably is almost kind of getting narrower and narrower in terms of its um, focus. So yeah. in, in, the, in the state where you're designing a bot for a retailer and you've gotten to the point where you've identified the shoes, within that stage of the conversation, correct me if I'm wrong, without a designer needing to do anything else or an engineer needing to do anything else around it, if someone says something like, how much of these or can you help me with that? Or what do you mean by that? Then the engine itself will confine that request to that state of the conversation. Is that what we're describing? Exactly.
1: And so what the what the, the tool does working with the engine is give you a number of um, constructs of ways to manipulate the engine. And so you could say something like, Well, as soon as this thing plays out, I want you to go to the very top of the scenario. And the next time the user says something, I want you to explore the entire space. Or actually, if this plays out, I want you to go to a specific other conversation or uh, some of the lower uh, level constructs that we have like scene or turn and so on. Mm -hmm. And, And what's interesting here is you're not necessarily defining the immediate next step. You're just defining the change in context. You're saying, right, this is done, our welcome bit is done, and now we're going to move into gathering profile information from the user so that we can suggest a product. What's going to happen within that gathering profile information, that's a problem for gathering profile information, right? You don't need in the transition level to to define all of that. The conversation engine is going to say, okay, so you've thrown me over here into this context, now let me explore this space and see what is possible. And, and we have a number of different ways that you can manipulate the, the conversation design in order to get, with very little effort, some really effective uh, uh, results. So, for example, we have this idea of uh, literally telling the conversation engine to simulate what would have happened if a user had said a specific thing uh, and, and played out from there. And that just allows you to cut through a whole lot of noise and potentially very deep work that you would have otherwise have had to do within your natural language understanding system in order to get to the same result.
0: Right. This makes sense. And so it might be a now, now might be a good time to go through that that terminology of of scenarios and and turns because one of the questions that that andrew asked is could you dive a bit deeper into how intentless conversational design works compared to intent based models i think Mm -hmm. uh andrew maybe there might be a bit of a miscommunication here in that the description that i was using in the um in the event description was intent last uh, I have been talking a lot about intentless Nlus recently, as I mentioned the conversation we had with Hyrule, the conversation we had we 've had with Looper and others. Um, but in this situation, I was specifically caught i was I was referring it to, to it as intent last, uh, which is all of the conversation we 've been having so far around context and around uh, scenarios and scenes. We're kind of going down the journey already, Ron. We're getting to the intent. We're getting to the turn. But maybe let's let's kind of go to the beginning of that conversation about your terminology and how the structure of these conversations work and what, what are these building blocks and, and how do you arrive at an intent last uh, approach? Yeah,
1: so, so, so I think um, an easy way to conceptualize open dialogue is to think of it a bit as a map. Uh, you're, you're building this conversational map, this potential uh, number of, of spaces that you can move through. So the map as a whole, we call a scenario, that's your uh, conversational application. And actually you can even combine scenarios together, but we'll, we'll keep it uh, a bit simpler here. So you have a scenario. Uh, within that scenario, you can have a number of different conversations. Conversations break into scenes, and scenes break into what we call conversational turns. A conversational turn is the place within your map where you capture potential dialogue exchanges. And because our route is multi agent systems, these exchanges happen between two participants. There is the application that has an intent, it's going to say something, it wishes to transmit a certain intent. And you can associate that intent with a number of different messages. So the application would like to say, welcome. And then Open Dialog is going to go into its message repository and say, right, what message can transmit this welcome intent? And and there you can condition your messages and and kind of make it a bit more sophisticated at that level. Uh, And on the other side of this um, exchange, this conversational turn, you have the user that might answer. Right, and uh, the answer is there's going to be some sort of utterance that needs to be mapped to some sort of intent. Now, the one thing I will say about intents, you can't, you can, you can, you can't escape the fact that the user said something and that needs to be mapped to something. The way Open Dialogue de- deals with it is to say. Where, what I want to do is to find a location. So I'm going to associate this uh, thing that came in from the user to uh, an interpreter, and I'm going to let the interpreter tell me if uh, if there is a match, right? So in the simplest case, that's like your standard NLU, but uh, within Open Dialogue, you can think of it in a more abstract sense as well, right? So you can say. I'm going to call this potential intent from the user my kind of generic FAQ intent. And I don't care what question was asked uh, and what the answer is, as long as contextually uh, my FAQ system is saying, oh, yeah, I know this. I'm pretty confident I could answer this. And it provides that answer. Right? So it's it's the context and the placing within the conversational map that is important it's not whether you call this an intent in the classical sense or not. Mm-hmm. So you build this um, conversational map of different conversations that break into scenes, that break into turns. All along the way, you can apply conditions, and you can say these things would only make sense if this other things hold true or not, Right. And uh, this gives you a way to differentiate very quickly either entire sections of your conversation or just very specific bits. And actually, you can do that all the way down to the intent level, but the open dialogue intent, right? So that positioning within your map. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
0: So that makes sense. Could could you give us an example of a um, bot that is handling, let's call it, we've used the retail example, shoe shopping example a few times. Let's say that we're building a bot for uh, a retailer that sells shoes like Foot Locker. Could you give us an example of what kind of things exist at the, the scenario level and then what kind of things would you be putting into the conversation level? What would be in a scene level and a turn level? Can we go from an overarching scenario down to the turn just to give people a, a visualization of how they can think about putting this stuff together?
1: Yeah, so um, you can imagine, well, you, you you think of your scenario and you say, okay, someone wants to buy shoes. Like, What are the possible conversations I might have? I'm, pro- I'm pro- potentially going to welcome the, the user, right, and say something nice about uh, my shop and what they can do here. Um, then the user might have a very uh, specific um, request so they might dive straight into i want this sort of shoes so we can go into right we're going to recommend some shoes on the back of that it might be that they're looking for some so i'll build a recommendation conversation with its various scenes and i can say okay what if i'm recommending uh shoe type x versus versus shoe type y do i need to contextually differentiate these things Um, I might uh, want to ask the user a few things. So I'm going to gather experience, and uh, this is where I'm going to uh, create a conversation where I'm asking the user, you know how often are you running?" and so on. Um, the way we capture that within open dialogue is to say there is a single turn within a scene where I'm collecting, for example, uh, experience on how you run. Uh, where we could ask questions. So from a conversation design perspective, the only thing I care about is that I'm going to ask another question. What that question is comes within the message level. So from a, what my application is going to say is, it is going to request uh, some additional information. That's the intent. Then I'm going to go into messages, and, and depending on the information that I already have, I can ask the the subsequent question, right? Which sounds a bit like slot filling. The difference is, because we've contextualized this within the scene, if the user doesn't actually provide an answer, but instead asks an FAQ question or asks something completely different, I can loop out, manage that, and then come back and say, okay, I know that I finished that bit of the conversation, like the the user, I was asking them, you know, what size do you want? And what the user um, actually answered is, well, do you do deliveries or do you do returns or how can I pay? So I can stay within my context, go out, answer that question, come back and say, okay, and what size was it that you wanted? And that's something that you can build in open dialogue today in in, in literally five minutes. And like that's the, uh, the magic trick. But it's it's a very uh, transparent <laughs> magic trick. It's not uh, you know deep uh, neural networks in the in in the background. It's just a better, more robust way of thinking about designing conversations.
0: Hmm interesting i like i like that approach of um and i think it helped it helps just mentally understand what's going on like if at the conversation level if a user dips into a conversation and it's easier to understand that if i if i'm in a conversation that's all about uh recommending a, a pair of shoes then then you know that you in that one scene about the recommendation conversation. You know that you you're not going to leave that part of the conversation until you've got shoe size, uh, how often you go running, whatever it might be. You know whether you want comfort. Or Let me give you
1: yeah sorry to Let me give you another example. So you're in that conversation, right? The, the you you are asking what size do you want, and the user says uh, Mah, make it a size eight. So okay great, the user wants size eight. Uh, then you've shown them some shoes. Right. So uh, they've seen uh, a few different shoes. And at that point, the user says, actually, make that a size seven. From a natural language understanding your system perspective, that sounds exactly the same, right? It's from a contextually driven design perspective, though, you can say, well, if I was asking for that information and I got that bit of phrase, I can uh, I add a new bit of information. If I'm already showing you shoes or you've already picked a pair of shoes, it just means I need to change that one pair of shoe. So this is the, the designer and the engine working together to say, this is the smart thing to do here. It's not to, I don't know, loop all the way back to, oh, okay, and would you like them red or black or, or yeah. so on? So it's it's those um, really useful shortcuts that allow you to do multi turn conversations where you don't need to uh, predict everything the user is going to say next. You can just uh, hang on to your context to try and um, uh, deal with it in the most effective way, including not understanding at all what they said, right? Mm. Uh, And you can either... Um, the way we we do this in open dialogue is we fail in a cascading way, so you can literally fail within a single turn uh, and but you try and keep the user in that turn or you can try and keep them in the scene or in the conversation or in the scenario and it's the conversation engine that once it doesn't understand something it, it couldn't interpret it, it will re this other intent saying, oh, I didn't understand something within a turn. Do you want to handle it here? I didn't understand it within the scene, within the conversation until it goes all the way back out. Mm-hmm. And then you literally have what we call a no-match conversation where you can design a whole conversation around what it is that you didn't understand at the global level.
0: Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's a way of... Because I think a lot of conversation applications... All that stuff needs to be built manually at every single turn, which means it's very difficult. And also, you end up going—you end up going to that kind of global no match quite quickly, yeah. Um, without really any chance to look around the, the rest of the system to see if there's anything else that can handle it, unless you build a wide open engine at every single turn in the conversation which obviously can be quite <laughs> quite dangerous because yeah. it could go all over the place so that, that that certainly makes sense how much of this then is i've got a couple of questions here which I'll, i want to get to in, in a second but maybe it's the, the one final question for me and then we'll, we'll try and get to a couple of these questions quickly before we wrap up how much of this is defined by the engine and how much of this does the user need to define like you were saying there, the engine and the designer working together. It sounds as though there's certain rules that you can have, certain conditions that you can specify. Go to this conversation if this, is ma- if, if this condition is met. Or, you know, how, how much input does the designer have and how much is the engine doing on its own? Um, there's,
1: I see it as three different domains interacting. So there is the designer. That is actually uh, thinking about what is this institution, right? What are we trying to buy shoes? Are we trying to buy an insurance? Are we helping someone with a specific problem? Is, is it like a, a health-related application and so on? And they provide the domain context. So it's there's a welcome conversation, there's a profiling conversation, and so on. Um, then there is the conversation context. We are uh, at the level of a turn, at a scene, at a conversation. we failed. we failed two times. we failed five times. Uh, we've been having this conversation for the past uh, five minutes. We've been going around the, the same scene for, um, for so many times and so on. That's conversational context that the, the conversation engine provides. And then you have... NLU, which is saying, okay, the user said this, I can interpret it in this way. And when it comes to NLU, we we think of it in a pretty uh, open-ended way, in that it can be your classic intents with entities. It could be a, a knowledge graph that is applying what we call resolution strategies to figure out what was said and so on. But it's those three things together. So it's the designer the the engine and your NLU working together and the the open dialogue model gives you patterns that allow you to design uh conversational maps that are very effective so that alternative to the slot filling that I described is a combination of what's the problem we're trying to solve and that's what the designer knows What's the conversational pattern problem that we're trying to solve, which is, well, we need two or three or four pieces of information before we can move forward, and that's where the engine can help you. Uh, and what, what are the interpretations of what the user is saying?
0: Right. That makes sense. We, we did have a question from Michael McTair, but I think he's, he's commented further down that it was, it was already answered. We'll, we'll go to this one from uh, Amin Jalal. Uh, what is your vision for integrated conversation and dialogue builders? A lot of conversational AI platforms have built in dialogue builders. Do you plan to integrate Open Dialogue with some of the low-code conversational AI platforms? Is Open Dialogue something that is, you can bring your other tools here, or is Open Dialogue something that is intended to be the, a standalone kind of uh, solution?
1: Open Dialogue can work very well. So it's it's very opinionated in the conversation management, right? So it is the dialogue builder in addition to being the, the context manager and so on. So that we kind of need to be doing ourselves. Um, where uh, I see Open Dialogue working with other systems is um, what we call interpretation can be a number of different things, right? We We essentially send a question out saying, um, we have an expectation of what might happen in this scene, uh, and we want to ask interpreters to, to tell us what the user said, right? So that's a place that we can integrate quite well. And on the other hand, there is the handling of context. We provide conversational context um, the, the conversation designer kind of designs the, the, the high-level domain context, right, the electronic institutions. There could be other types of contexts, uh, such as, uh, I don't know, personalization context and so on that you want to pull in, and that's a really good place to integrate as well. And, and just to go kind of a step further, the way I see us building increasingly more complex conversations is you really need this conversation engine. It's not just a dialogue builder. It's a builder together with an opinionated engine that can reason about the the potential uh, exchanges here and what they mean from almost your, your conversational ontology. And it can then work with the designer to say, you might want to do something different here, or here's a whole bunch of things that I can... Offer and handle for you because uh, of of the, of the conversational context there and so on mm. that, like, that's, that's where we're aiming to get these two tools uh, these two tools they, the human tool <laughs> and the <laughs> engine tool work together uh, to, to build the final conversation. It can't be just one or just the other
0: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, what What's good is that uh, there's definitely interest coming through on the comments. You know, uh, Car- uh, we've got Karen Campanario who is uh, in there right now. Uh, I think lining up a a demonstration with uh, with candies from one of your from one of your team, which is good, which is nice to see. Uh, Karen is is a, a vastly experienced conversation designer, um, and so th- there'll be lots of other. Conversation designers who are who are experienced probably never used open dialogue, never kind of come across this approach, this kind of mental model, and um, and also there's some designers who actually are are fairly settled. You know, I know that it's a new and an emerging sort of uh, industry or or. or um, however you want to describe it. But some people have been doing it for a while. Others are just getting started. For those people who have been either doing it a while, they're in a team, they've got tools, they've got processes. What do you say to them? Uh, It's not necessarily a case of switching tools, I wouldn't have said. It's not like we're saying, oh, come and forget what you're doing and come over here and use this. But what advice would you give current conversation designers who already have an established practice, tools, that kind of stuff, if you were going to try and convince them to, to... give open dialogue a go, what are the, the, what are the kind of things that you think are the most important reasons for them to consider giving it a go?
1: I think that the, the first step, because this is a, a different way of thinking of the entire stack is get in touch and experience it because that's going to give you the most immediate sense of how this is different. Um, the second thing is you actually get to reuse a lot of what you have, so if you've been using one of the standard tools from the big technology companies um and and you have a bunch of things that are already trained up uh we completely integrate with uh with google with Microsoft with Amazon and so on, so you can reuse all of that it's just that it's it's um it's almost like superpowering all that that you have because now you can. Bring this layer of, of context and the conversation engine to make it much more effective and much more robust. Uh, the, the best example of this for me, we were, were talking to a standard to a startup that built a really interesting tool within uh, a, a Google Dialogue flow CX, right? And their comment was: we were kind of trying to build open dialogue in that <laughs> those are the problems we're trying to solve. Um, and, it's, it's that. You, you have to experience it and you, you get to reuse all your um, NLU because we, we, we actually, we will work with whatever is there, right? As long as it can provide an answer and tell us where to position ourselves in the map, uh, we're happy to work with whatever NLU you have
0: wicked that sounds fantastic and uh i think the people who've been tuning in on the comments have probably got the link by now but for those who are listening on the podcast uh what's the best way for them to do that if they do want to get in touch if they do want to try it uh, and experience it and and all that kind of stuff what's the best way for them to go and do that
1: it's open opendialog.ai um just get in touch uh you can launch a platform there's there's no upfront costs. Um, we actually want people to experience this way of doing design uh, and and running your conversations. And the, the, the novelty here is that as you're designing your conversational context and you're going down this uh, different levels, you're building your conversational application as well. Uh, So there isn't that moment where, oh, here's my design, now I'm going to throw it over, and someone needs to code it up or write little hacks in bits of uh, fulfillment code and so on. It's done, and now you you can start thinking about training and your integrations to back-end services and so on, but otherwise, it's there. And uh, just wanted to say from a visualization perspective, uh, and going back to the, the whole um, conversation around flows, the, the way we view it with Open Dialog is, there's a bunch of different ways you can view this conversational map. And the, the way we have right now is the one that most directly translates the model, right? So you start with your scenario conversation, scenes, turns, and you dive all the way in. Um, it's actually a graph structure so there is there is an alternative visualization where you can literally see it as as a as a graph uh, structure and because uh you can you can turn this around in a bunch of different ways uh, it's those are all different visualizations that we're going to be introducing to help you understand different aspects of the problem right so if you want to see the whole thing and just go, wow, this is really complicated, can kind of zoom out and, and see all the different things going on. Or then you can zoom in and say, okay, I just, there's just one little thing within a specific scene that I need to fix, and I can just focus on that, and that's it.
0: Mm. Wicked. Well, I definitely recommend you get in touch. If, you, if we have time for, for one last question, I know we're over time, and uh, apologies for that. Have we got time for one last question for Moscow? Are you still there or have you left? <laughs> you there, Ron?
1: Uh, I am. Um... Yeah.
0: Oh, cool. Cool. Yep. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. My fault. My fault. Oh, I have time.
1: Sorry. I was... <laughs> All right. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. cool. So, 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 yeah. Final, final question, then we'll wrap up. Um, so f- first thing to caveat this with, I suppose, is that um, Open Dialogue has literally just been kind of released in, is it Open Beta now at the moment, Ron?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're literally seven weeks in.
0: Yeah, so seven weeks in, so so I, I think we can forgive an answer that might not have a, a live working example, given that it's a really early days. But Oscar's asking whether you can. Uh, I think you, by useless, he's clarified he actually means use case. Uh, can you share a real uh, a real life use case uh, of a corporate corporate client that uses this for for kind of uh, bots on different channels? Again, we we can caveat the answer potentially because obviously it's very early days, but is there anything live on it yet
1: um, yes so the the SAS tool is uh, is seven weeks old but um, open dialogue has had a, a slightly longer gestation so it's just that before we're just using it as an internal tool right so we've used it in a number of different scenarios um, to mention a couple uh, we we're using it within the context of um, uh, auditing for uh, a, an international um, audit company, uh, kind of tax consultancy and so on to help them better run their audits. So essentially the, the conversational application sits next to the auditing application and helps the auditor and the auditee better manage their interactions and provides contextual answers to questions or proactively pops up to, to help with, uh, with how the, the audit is, is being run. One of my favorite use cases is using it to identify um, cyber attacks. Uh, so what the, what, from, a, from a user perspective, you go to the, to the application and you, you type in what happened to you? Like maybe some files were locked, or there was a pop-up, and so on. And we, our interpretation there is is kind of heavily knowledge graph-driven, so that you can um, uh, pull out what the relevant markers are and say what sort of uh, attack it was, and then help the user resolve that. Yeah, there's a bunch of use cases. Uh, there's a great insurance use case that we're working on now, where you know the entire experience is is conversational. Um, yeah, we've built a few things. It's just that they're standalone open dialogue applications, and now within the open dialogue platform, the SaaS platform, we're seeing a bunch of interesting stuff pop out as well. Um, anything to do with wine is a He's a winner for me. <laughs> yeah.
0: There were some really good wine bots around. Uh, I can't remember the actual name of it. Didn't Little have a wine bot a while back?
1: Oh, Facebook message. On.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, Ron, this has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, I would 100% recommend anybody tuning in to check out open dialogue it is I've said it before. I've said it in the, the previous video and the talk. I did our voice talks and, and some of the content we've been putting out li- lately that it, it is a totally different way of thinking about conversation design. And the reason, one of the reasons why I like it as much as I do is that I almost feel as though the the conversation design practice has I think I think we've reached a false sense of security where people who've been doing it for two years are now settled, and people who've been doing it for longer, and I don't mean any offence by this, I just think it's naturally the way it happens, is you get comfortable with doing the things that you do, um, and therefore things just maintain and stay as they are, even though there is some things that can be improved, essentially. And so my background has always been in digital transformation. It's always been in you know, knocking on the door, lifting up the carpet, having to look underneath and trying to improve things. And so one of the reasons why I'm such a fan... Is that we're not resting on our laurels. We're not kind of just going with the floor. We're actually, or you are actively seeking to overcome some of the challenges that a lot of people are just learning to live with. And so that's why I think it's it's such a, a fantastic uh, idea, such a fantastic tool. And I would definitely recommend people do check it out. And thank you, Ron, for, for your time. This has thank been absolutely you. immense.
1: Fantastic. Like-
0: Uh, And lastly, if you are not already subscribed to VUX World, where have you been all my life? Uh, You can do that by going to VUX.world forward slash subscribe. We do these shows with people like Ron every single week and they are always as interesting as this. This has been one of the most interesting so far, to be totally honest, Uh, but they're always interesting, always insightful. And so if you are thinking of ways of improving your customer experience, of improving your business operations, of improving the way that you use technologies, uh, then definitely Uh, subscribe and again thanks to uh, Deepgram for sponsoring this episode of VOX World and thank you all, more importantly, thank you all for tuning in there's been a really, really good attendance today there's been lots and lots of conversation happening I think you might have acquired some new users Ron over the course of this discussion uh, which is what it's all about so thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you again next time. Thanks very much. Thanks everyone